This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to Han Shop First. I'm Jeff, joined as usual by Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hello. Hey. Today we're talking about Psycho, the original, 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. It's a bad time that loser made a good movie. Yeah, it's a little known director. Uh, Writers has here is Joseph Stefano, screenplay by, based on the novel by Robert Block, starring Anthony Anthony Perkins, Janet Leigh. Aaron Miles and others I'm assuming um alright so I'm old but I'm not that old so I did not see this in the movie theater when it came out nor were uh, you born <laughs> nor was I born yeah. and I, uh, my mom was like nine years old so yeah this is an old movie <laughs> uh but my first introduction to this I think was the Universal Studios Hollywood tour yeah <laughs> Yeah, and my mom explaining to me, well, that's that's where Norman Bates lives, and that just remembers freaking me Probably out. It's kind of how I was introduced yeah. to Jaws too, because I didn't watch that. I was interested after that, seeing all this stuff. I think King Kong, all those things, I was introduced to on the tour, and then I asked my mom about it. She let me watch Jaws. She didn't let me watch these <laughs> <laughs> or this. Um, but then years later, um, I caught it on TV. It wasn't even TV. No, I think it was a Netflix, you know, red envelope deliver when I finally saw it for the first time. One of those and, Criterion uh, things. Yeah. And uh, I really liked it. And I I had not have it spoiled. Like, I knew Norman Bates was the bad guy, but I didn't know to what extent. And, you know, I thought there was, you know, I wasn't going to do a spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> you know, how how everything plays out. So, after all those years, I was still surprised at the ending. So, and I once I watched it, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, that's my history with it. Uh, Scott? Uh, so, yeah, the, the Universal Tour... Uh, it's an amazing set piece. Uh, and then, and so in Southern California for Halloween, a lot of the local amusement parks will, will do these Halloween nights where they, they have these big elaborate, uh, mazes and productions, uh, for different Halloween properties or just general, uh, Halloween monsters and things like that. Uh, way back when it was just not Scary Farm before the other parks started doing that. Uh, they, they did have a, a Norman Bates maze that I remember going through. Uh, and I think that, that was my first introduction to the, to the whole thing. <laughs> like at some point, uh, again, huge spoilers. Uh, the, the mother, <laughs> uh, comes running out with the knife and stuff. And it was cool. And then after that, I think I, I might have actually seen this in a film class. Um, besides seeing bits and pieces on TV. Uh, so it was kind of yeah. all over the place with this one. Yeah, I would assume this would be one of those film, film school classes, uh, film school movies. Um, as I was watching reviews on it, and they talk about how masterful it is, and all this other stuff, and yeah, the the, the writing's super tight. We'll t- talk about that later. All right, and uh, Alex, 
Uh, this is the first time I've seen this version. Unfortunately, I didn't know any better, and I saw the remake in the 90s in the theater with, uh, what's-his-face in the VIG? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. And, yeah, even though I had never seen the original, I knew it was like a poor imitation. And I'd already, I mean, even before I saw the remake, you know, The Simpsons has parodied this so much. Everything's parodied, you know, Psycho so much that I kind of already knew what happened. So, but I got to say, watching the original still, it still gave me a shock. It still surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. I still felt like, really, really creeped out. That's good to hear. After watching it, yeah, it holds up. Yeah, just and just, uh, sorry, real quick, the remake. That's is that the one where they shot like scene for like, the exact. Yeah, same yeah. Scene? I was just about to say like it's not that it was a bad remake. It just it didn't add anything. It was it was so yeah, quiet. Like there was nothing. They was no- tried to get. Did you guys see it? Yeah, I haven't. Okay. Oh, they get tried to get artsy with it when uh, like, and this was actually a shot that I liked. The only thing that I liked better in the remake than I did in the original, when the detective who was played by uh, uh, William H. Macy in the remake was at the stairs, that stair scene, which Mm -hmm. I'll have more to say about, that actually shows the knife like kind of going through his face and him falling down. But it also does like quick cuts of like random images. Like I think that one, it sticks out because it was just a cow. Like a quick like flash of a cow right before and after he gets stabbed. I'm like, what the fuck was that? And it kind of took the wind out of the out of the whole scene. But that shot, you know, because it was modern special effects of the knife like slashing through his face, that was cool. Well, I think in the the remake, I thought I want to say he gets his throat slit. Maybe once he's down at the bottom of the stairs. No, I think that's what makes him fall. No, because I remember distinctly, it slashes him through the face, just like in the original. All right, well, we'll have to look this up off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. And then one last thing, back to Universal. I did, as I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, go to the Halloween Horror Nights, and we got to walk right up onto the steps and of the the house, and you take a photo op with the actor playing Norman Bates. And that was really cool, just being on that thing. Now, I looked. I think it's not from this movie. It's from, like, Psycho 3, what they yeah. have now, the Bates Motel and that. but. It's still cool, right? It's still history and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that was just really cool. And it's all lit up perfectly. So it's like, oh, so good. Yeah, because when he gets to the motel, it's actual like cabins pretty much because it's, it's just on dirt and everything's made out of wood. But right. when you go through the tour now, the whole hotel's like nice paved parking lot, stucco and whatnot. It still looked, oh, maybe it was lighting. It still looked pretty run down. But yeah, it definitely wasn't like wooden planks and stuff like that. Yeah. All right, uh, well, let's get into it. Um, as usual, we're each going to talk about seven items from the film, and I will go first. And uh bring us right off. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, are you guys pro-candy corn or anti-candy corn? We may have had this discussion before. It's, <sighs> it's pretty gross. <laughs> okay. I'm. I can tolerate it, but... Uh, I'm anti because I get one piece and I'm like, okay, if I have another bite, even a fraction of a bite of a second piece, I'm going to puke. <laughs> All right. So I don't know if you noticed that one scene when the detective comes up, Norman Bates is just sitting outside eating candy corn out of a bag. And I think that just oh, gives away the whole what, movie. That's it? Yeah. That's candy corn? 
He's eating. Yeah, it says well, it says candy corn in a little pouch that he's eating. Oh, I didn't know. I just heard him say, yeah. "Oh, I want some candy." I didn't well, he, really pay he, attention. You assume to he's he's eating it throughout the entire movie. Yeah. So that just shows you he's a psycho. <laughs> Something <laughs> wrong with that boy. Candy corn like that. Something's wrong with that boy's Abdullah Abdulgada. <laughs> Uh, I do like candy corn, but it's. I guess I'm kind of like Alex, but I can tolerate a few pieces. It's not, it's more than one, but like less than five. <laughs> it's. <laughs> yeah. I like it, but in very small doses. Um, but I just saw him, especially that one scene where he's just sitting out in front of the office, and the the detective shows up, and he's just eating candy out of that thing, and I just, I just stuck in my mind. I was like, ah, they're telegraphing this thing a mile away. Only a psycho eats <laughs> that much candy corn. <laughs> So <laughs> that's my number seven, mm-hmm. uh, Scott. Okay, so my number seven, uh, as we Alex and I were just arguing about it, uh, the staircase kill. Uh, Jeez, that's your number seven. Well, there's a lot of good shit to talk about in this movie. Yeah, there that's true. Damn, that's way higher up on my list. Uh, but yes, the staircase kill, where the detective is sneaking through the house, intending to talk to Mrs. Bates, uh, Norman's mother. When she comes running out all of a sudden from this, this fantastic top-down shot, um, which is they have to do so that you can't see her, uh, then yeah, he gets the stabbed, sliced across the face or whatever it was, and then he they do this really cool shot where he's like sliding yeah. down the stairs. Uh, it's a very interesting way to to show it. Um, and then yeah, he he lands at the bottom and gets stabbed. But that whole that whole shot was very innovative. Uh, there's there's only a few times in the movie where they 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 shoot at really weird angles, like uh, the Dutch angles. Um, this isn't that, but uh, that that whole angle down with the stairs and him sliding backwards, uh, and the look of of horror and the, you know, another murder has been committed. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. That shot's amazing. So, like, oh, I'll tell you. Like following, I'll... Fo- all right. Well, then, yeah. Tell me like, when you get to yours. I guess, yeah, because that's a pretty awesome shot. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's number awesome. seven. Yeah. All right, uh, Alex, number seven. My number seven, and this is the only thing I didn't like. I understand exactly why they did it. This whole thing uh, at the ending was a completely new concept to people. In 1960. I'm sure that's why they had to have. The psychiatrist just explain it to death, like, over and over again. And I have to keep telling myself, this is 1960. Audiences are not going to know what the hell is going on. People were dumber back then. <laughs> They're just less informed. Yeah. Like, they don't, they didn't have the science that they do now, especially <laughs> in psychiatry. Well, it uh, is. Yeah. No, I, I, one of my honorable mentions is that the psychiatrist at the end is a jerk. Yeah, he's a bit of a jerk. And I like also... uh but I'll get uh, one of my honorable mentions out right now, where he's like, well, why was he dressed like a woman? <laughs> and one of the guys, one of the sheriffs in the background, <laughs> what does he say? Was it, uh, is he a transvestite? Transvestite. He's like, that's it. Case closed. Transvestite. <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. It's a little bit deeper than that. And then he goes into the second soliloquy of explaining the whole thing to him. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't come that much different in 50 years. Yeah, no, no, I, I I agree with you, Alex. It just the writing had been so tight up until that point, so good as as like a screenplay, and then yeah, we just spend five minutes just hearing this guy talk we've never seen before. Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad they saved it until the end, but yeah, 
Yeah, I don't remember this movie taking so long to end. Like what I remember <laughs> is like the reveal happens. They're yeah, they're at the police station or whatever, and then it just, it just zooms in on him with the mom. You know, he wouldn't even hurt a fly. Like that's how I remember the ending. I forgot there was this. Yeah, five minutes of explaining what you just saw. Like yeah, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I guess I just blacked it out. All right, um, my number six. Is uh, see, these are all like they're not they're all number ones basically, but <laughs> I know right. Um, <laughs> I will go. So after he makes his uh, or at this point, you think mother makes the kill and 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 Norman has to cover up for her, and he's you know putting the body in the car and he's just making sure you don't you you all of a sudden are rooting for him and you're like oh don't forget the newspaper with the money and then yeah. get everything and then he's yeah the car and that's yeah, swamp. Yeah, don't don't forget the the nightgown, like on top of the the toilet. Yeah, and just say every, everything. You all of a sudden, you're like, why are you rooting for this guy? You're just covering up senseless murder. Like I know you don't know it's him at that time, but still, you're just like, what the? And the well, first of all, I don't know how why there's a bog in between L.A. and Phoenix, <laughs> yeah. whatever this is. Like <laughs> that is kind of weird. Like it's sort of swampland out here, apparently. And because it was black and white, I was like, "Well, maybe it's a tar pit." I don't, I don't know. That would have made more sense well, than a damn. Bond. You know, I don't think that was that far from Phoenix. Because remember when the detective was on the phone, uh, right outside the Bates Motel, and he said, "Oh, I'll see you in like an, a half hour or less." Okay. Well, I'm sure there's no bogs in Phoenix, in Arizona either. Well, I know, but <laughs> I don't know. Even less likely. <laughs> I've never been out that way. Never been to Arizona. You never know. Oh, I've been to Arizona, just not Phoenix. So, so that, it's that that was my my biggest problem with them was the or with the, the biggest plot hole for me anyway was when the cop uh, wakes her up. He's like, "Oh, you could have stopped at any of the hotels. They're all over the road." And I, I was like, "Have you ever driven between <laughs> L.A. and Phoenix? There's not a goddamn thing. Even in t- 2018, there is nothing. It's just desert." Yeah. Uh, like Bakersfield, like they even have that on the signs, right? Like that's it. Um, yeah. But besides that, like yeah, just it's weird. All of a sudden, you're rooting for Norman Bates. Like it's it's starting to sink in, and you're like, okay, he's, this is always pulling off. And then it doesn't sink. You're like, crap. And then it's saying, oh, okay, good. <laughs> uh, so I just thought that was cool. Just all of a sudden, you're cheering for the the murder or son of a murderer slash murderer. Um, that's mm-hmm. my number six, Scott. Okay, so. Number six is the the dinner scene uh, where oh, the whole thing gets set up. You you hear Norman's mother yelling at him about this this harlot that's down in the the hotel, uh, and he brings her a sandwich and uh, he just takes her into the creepy parlor, uh, which you know foreshadowing with all the stuffing and taxidermy and stuff. Uh, and then, just some of the lines during that that scene are, are so creepy. Uh, these, some of these are like classic lines. The you eat like a bird, and uh, which a, is a, a, fa- a, fa- a falsity. Yeah, did a little Jeff Goldblum there. Yeah, um, a boy's best friend. Friends is his mother. mother. Yeah, yeah, that line. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he goes from just kind of shy and hokey to intense and this is one of those scenes with the the dutch angle looking up at him um uh, when she mentions putting uh his mother into a home yeah uh, 
and yeah, he gets uh, even more creepy. Uh, so yeah, that, that whole scene, just him just being weird the whole time. Yeah. It's so good. Well, but from like charming too at the beginning, right? You just see him at the switch. Like maybe charming's the wrong word, but like no, he's a bit of a goob. Yeah, like, disarming anyway. Scene, like yeah, yeah, yeah I think disarming's a, the, the affable. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, then you just that thing flips on. You're like ooh, psycho. Yeah, psycho. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, number six. My number six is that this movie kept the suspense kind of tight. Between, like, oh, the build-up and the payoff, they didn't draw, they, like, movies, a lot of movies these days, they just draw out the suspense, or at least they try to, and it doesn't work. Or they draw it out for so long that it's like, okay, when is this shit gonna actually happen? But this one, it's like, oh, my gosh, what's gonna happen? It's like, oh, shit, it's happening! It's like, it was pretty quick. So I appreciated that. It was very tight. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I have a little more to add to that, but yeah, I agree that like it's yeah. what you think. If if you have no idea what this movie's about, it, whatever you think it is at the beginning is not what it is at the end, right? Yeah, just, she's yeah, yeah. stealing money at the beginning, right? And then next thing you know, you're at a titty bar with vampires. It's Yeah, this is kind of just going on what uh, Scott just said. I, I think Anthony Perkins in this role was just awesome. So creepy. So, like I said, disarming at the beginning. Flips on a dime. And just, yeah. He's, he's great. Um, some of, and I, I think he stands out because some of the other actors in this I thought were a little over the top. Or maybe just that style of acting back in the day. But I thought he was really good in it. Um, yeah, he's a little more understated. Yeah. So, uh, just really like, just so, and then when you, when you rewatch it, I think that's when it gets it even more, especially at the beginning, if you don't know, he's just so, yeah, just a little hick. (laughs) And then it's like, oh God. You know, so, uh, Anthony Perkins is my number five. Scott. Uh, so as I mentioned a couple times, the, the writing here, the, the screenplay, like the, how it, one scene leads to the other with very little exposition until, again, as we talked about the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, like, why she takes the money uh, to what leads her to to the Bates Motel. Like, it's just this kind of series of events that uh, almost conspire to bring her to this place. Um, and then how they, they track her down uh, after the fact. Um and how it all ties together, how they they think that the boyfriend's involved and in, like in her stealing and uh so it, it all it all makes sense and uh yeah, it you know, just plotted so tightly. Um it it really is uh like like Jeff was saying, like uh they they use this to as, you know, film study. This is uh kind of writing one oh one. It's probably um Hitchcock's best. Mm-hmm. Um, so. so let me bring up so one thing which I thought everything I agree with you but she was I know she stole money so she was paranoid but she was a little too out of her mind when she's when the cop you know pulls over for sleeping and then buying that car and just like that part was a little like Jesus lady take a chill pill 
But I get it. She's yeah. flustered. The, the cop is super menacing, by the way, for no reason. Yeah. I know, they, had a, they had close-ups of him and the detective when you first meet him. Like, it's like, I guess these authority figures are supposed to be intimidating, which I got. I mean, they eased up on the detective because he became friendly. But right. yeah, that cop was intense. Have you seen this boy? Yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I just thought she was, especially at the car dealership, like she was like, dude, lady, you're drawing way more attention to yourself uh, than you probably need to. But yeah, you know, yeah was, she's not a criminal mastermind. Yeah, exactly. Not, it was an I impulse, get it. impulse theft. I, I, I get it. But like I said, it's, <laughs> it does bug a little bit. And then I, I don't understand why she took the money out of her suitcase or bag and put it in the newspaper on the nightstand. Like, was there a reason for that other than just for us to worry about it later on? No, it was just a better hiding place, I guess, because she had to uh, like kind of turn around and hide it when she was taking her license out of her bag for the police officer, and then she had to go to the bathroom again to um, get the, uh, only the money that she needed to buy the new car. No, so but when she's, she in figured... the... when she's in the motel, though, why did she do that? Why did she just keep it in the bag? There's... Yeah. Yeah, it's... Maybe she thought it'd just be easier to hide if it was there. I don't know. And just keep right. her bag free with a few couple of bucks to pay off. Right. No, I'm just wondering if I missed something. Like, there was a reason specifically why she did that. But I don't think there was, other than... Nah, not really. Yeah, she just got the newspaper. Yeah, a while back. She's just she's like, oh. thinking about what to do with it. I don't yeah. know. And then her goal was to return it, right? Yeah. Okay. After she got, she kind of got freaked out, and so she was. Yeah, after she, she was going to stay the night, she was going to go back and return it and make up for the seven hundred. Come, on, let's talk about the prices here. First of all, forty thousand dollars is still a lot of money, but it's not. But the way to make it out to be there, so so seven hundred dollars for a car. Well, so <laughs> I was reading the trivia, and they they said just for inflation. She's actually taking closer to like three hundred thousand dollars. Okay, and that the car was more like fifty five hundred that she was splitting the difference on. Okay, so yeah, just, that gives you a little more perspective on on that. Yeah. So three hundred thousand dollars—that's <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of money. No, I, I knew that. It's just funny, just the hill. yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's just seven hundred dollars and forty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. All right. Uh, I don't know where we are now. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so, so was number five was that, was, that was my number five. I was talking about how okay, the, so the writing. Number five. <laughs> okay. My number five is, and this shot really amazed me. When Norman goes up the stairs into his room and he's talking to his mother about hiding her in the fruit cellar. First of all, the dialogue is amazing. He's like, put me in the fruit cellar because you think I'm fruity, huh? That was fantastic. I chuckled. But then all of a sudden, like the camera starts going up the stairs and it does not stop moving until it like in all in one shot just goes all the way back up and does the top down shot at the top of the stairs and then you see Norman carrying his mother down the stairs to take her to the fruit cellar that was amazing that blew me away that yeah, was a good shot and it was awesome like what kind of a rig i'm trying to imagine what kind of a rig they had to build in order to get that shot because when he looks, when you look down the stairs, there's nothing, there's no rails or anything. So the camera must have been suspended throughout the whole thing. I don't know. That's a good point, yeah. But it was uh, awesome. Yeah. 
big crane of some kind. I don't know how that works. Yeah, maybe it could have been a crane. They had one sophisticated enough for that. Maybe that, uh, Hitchcock. Do some pa- apparently, he was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna derail this here again. Right before we started, I was watching uh, a YouTube video, and it's like uh, uh, Steven Spielberg driving a little golf cart around with like a Entertainment Weekly reporter, and just kind of giving a tour of famous famous spots on the back lot of uh, Universal. And you know, he goes to his movies like Back to the Future and other stuff like that. But he was talking. They were talking about when he was a kid. He used to sneak on like every day he had like he said he had like a three-day pass for some summer school thing and then he just the fourth day he just showed up and acted confident like he was supposed to be there and the security guard remembered him and just let him in so he just kept doing that like all summer long and he would just go sneak on to tv <laughs> to, to um, stages and watch tv shows and stuff like that the only time he ever got caught was on a hitchcock movie and hitchcock got him kicked out of there <laughs> so just he said yeah and i i got to see him it was i forgot who the act was and he said yeah these are two famous people that's the only time i ever saw him was i was 16 years old and i got kicked off his set so, that's a little funny <laughs> that's awesome yeah hollywood when celebrity hollywood icons meet kind of sort of yeah <laughs> that should be a new segment for you jeff there you go yeah. and then they have spielberg dry spielberg is a street in the back lot and it intersects with jimmy stewart so, Jimmy Stewart Drive. So, there you go. Kind of a Hitchcock thing there, too. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. My number four now is the opening credits slash music. I really, really dug it. I forgot about that. Just, I remember the music, obviously, but the mm-hmm. just the cool... And this is 1960, so I don't know how easy it was to do stuff like that, right? I mean, this is 17 years before Star Wars. I don't know how good graphics <laughs> graphics were, but it was really cool. Just, and yeah. the music... All that uh, stuff must have been, yeah, just hand animated. They had to yeah. be. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just thought it was just really cool. Um, it just sets the mood a lot. And, and then this will I won't cover the music elsewhere, but just obviously the score on this. Not only the infamous, you know, violin strikes during the shower scene and other stuff, but just the entire score was really, really good. So that is my number four. Uh, Alex, or Scott, sorry. Uh, number four is the, the the very final scene shot. Uh, oh man! Something I, number four. Eh, wait for the rest of mine. Uh, <laughs> Judgey McJudgerson. I know, jeez. Uh, <laughs> no, because I have it higher now. Nah. Yeah, so I'll keep it brief, and you can talk more about Alex. But just the Thank you. him with the internal monologue. Now that he's fully uh, the mother, and the whole I won't even swat that fly. <laughs> they're probably watching yeah. me now yeah I'll i hope they them. are yeah yeah and then just that final shot of him like looking up and down at the same time i don't know how else to describe it <laughs> no it's doing the stanley kubrick eyeball yeah. thing yeah. yeah head tilting down eyes looking yeah, up. yeah 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 uh, that that kind of smirk yeah uh ugh. yeah, yeah i know evil <laughs> awesome so yep that's my right. number four Alex, number four. My number four is Norman Bates himself as a character. is amazing. He was brought, yep. to, brought to life brilliantly. Yeah, he starts out like, you know, a goober and everything. And the clothes kind of don't fit him. So, yeah, he's all friendly. And, yeah, step into my creepy parlor. Why not? I mean, look at me. Ugh, you know? 
So that's how he, he lures his victims in. And then he, oh, when she's like undressing to get ready to go into the shower and he takes the the painting off the wall. Brilliant shots. Yeah. He's coveting with his eyes. It's like, oh, things are going south real fast. Yep. And then later you see him and he actually looks a lot more menacing when he changes into like that tight fitting, a bit of a turtleneck type of thing that he's got going. He looks a lot more dangerous than that. But then he keeps going back and forth between that, kind of like his goofy oversized coat to that dangerous-looking turtleneck. So, yeah, everything about his character is amazing. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Uh, my number three is the the reveal, uh, you know, the final scenes uh, when the sister is walking through the house and she goes down into the fruit cellar and turns fruity. <laughs> and turns around the chair you see mother and it's mother mother's rotting corpse and i do like how it like turns around it's silent and then the music plays and it shakes for some reason like whatever that's old school cinema mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, but just so cool and then norman comes in right after that dressed up in <laughs> mother's clothes and the look on his face and i like how it is it's old school like the the boyfriend comes in and holding it's just posing for the audience like shaking and he has to make sure the wig falls off so everyone sees that it really is norman <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, the, uh, just holding his hand with the knife for like fucking 10 hours it felt like just shaking yeah. and making sure that everyone sees what's going on but uh it's so good like i said i didn't see that i mean i probably saw this probably 15 years ago by now or 10 but I still did not know the ending, so I was uh, definitely shocked when that happened for me. So, yeah, that's my number three. Alex. Scott. God damn it. <laughs> uh, one note on that, that scene. So, Hitchcock was not good at shooting action. Like, at least action as we think of it. Fights and things like that. Uh, airplanes. Not one. Not, down at people. Yeah. Not one of his strengths. Uh, anyway. Uh... So number three is, and I'm gonna wait for Alex to, to say that it should be higher, but the uh, the shower scene. What? That should be higher. No, that's my <laughs> number three. Come <laughs> uh, on, you Scott. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all the the scene that uh, probably gets more play references than anything else um, mm. from the from this movie for the last. What is it? Almost seventy years, uh, or not, not that my math's off. Sixty years. Sorry. Um, it's yeah, it, classic. The the whole um, letting your imagination do the work, in part because they couldn't actually show her getting stabbed. Like mm-hmm. this, this was the sixties, right. uh, yeah. but it's still incredibly effective. Starting with that, the whole when you, you see the figure step up to the curtain. Oh, so, so fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's terrifying. I, mean, I, I try to put my mindset on what it would be like seeing this in the movie theaters in 1960. And it's like, okay, she's just taking a shower and they're just showing her head and there's all this empty space over here. <laughs> and it's like it feel, the shot feels a little bit odd. I mean, we've seen it a million times before, but to somebody just seeing it for the first time, it's like, okay, this is a little weird. And then you slowly see, yeah. Bates's mother, like the the door opening slowly, he's like, "Oh shit!" It's like, "Oh my gosh!" Ugh, even just 
watching it just yesterday, just waiting for it to happen. I was cringing. And the, yeah, uh, like I don't know, like yeah, worse back back then, but it's still fucking brutal now. I guess mm-hmm. it's just that, and it's the vulnerability, right, of just knowing oh, I'm taking a shower and just ugh, yeah, yeah, the the chocolate syrup. <laughs> yeah, it's very effective with the the black and the white, obviously, uh, and then just in her final throws when she grabs onto the the curtain. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to watch. <laughs> uh, this is again incredibly effective, and then, then of course the the first time you hear the 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 screeching violins as well, <laughs> uh, which which also just push the te- push that scene from something that was probably great to begin with to to an all-time iconic scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, this is my number one. I'll talk about it a little bit more then. But uh, So there's 52 cuts in that scene and apparently 78 camera setups. I don't even know why that's possible, but... <laughs> well, they just, you know, take a shot, like a couple seconds, and then move the camera to another place and another couple seconds. You know, yeah, and, and yeah, it goes. It's not from... seventy-two cameras that they set up at the same time. Jeff. No, I know that. <laughs> Jesus, could have been. <laughs> yeah, Hitchcock. And it's the first toilet ever shown in movies. Yeah, it's hilarious. First toilet ever shown being flushed, too. <gasps> That's what how the remake innovated, wasn't it? The first beehole that they showed in an R-rated movie. <laughs> and hey, she's butthole. Let's all crawl inside. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> you didn't know? I don't remember that. But yeah, so, you can see it for a split second. Yeah. Yeah. And on the on uh, Hollywood Babylon, <laughs> Kevin's obsessed with buttholes, and apparently yeah. you can see hers in that scene. And then some fans came up with a song called "Anne Hache's Butthole." <laughs> oh, Let's all crawl inside. <laughs> Has she ever been on Hollywood Babylon? I don't think so. <laughs> I doubt it. I don't even think she knows what a podcast is. That's, that's too bad. Uh, sorry, Miss Hayes, if you're listening right now. Miss yeah. we we apologize. Um, but it was a nice butthole. <laughs> <laughs> nice and bleached. I've actually never seen the movie, so I can't comment. But I'm assuming it is. All right, uh, Alex, number three. Uh, the shower scene. It's fantastic. We already okay. talked about it. We'll leave the rest up to you, Jeff. Okay. So now we're on the number two, and mm-hmm. Alex already or Scott already had this earlier. Uh, it's the uh, detective getting stabbed on the staircase. Oh, that's my number two. See, <laughs> um, Scott, you're wrong. Colonel Sanders <laughs> is right. Uh, just him slowly. I mean, we've talked about, it, but just him slowly going up the stairs. As an audience, we know something's going to happen, and that door once again, with no sound, slowly opens up, and then. The violins kick in again and just get stabbed, and then the, the, the which Alex is going to explain here in a second. That awesome shot of him falling down, and then the more stabbings, and then I think a quick shot later of him looking over the swamp again. We're assuming he dumped another car in there. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't look like a big swamp either. So <laughs> I don't know. It must be pretty deep. Well, we've already established it's magic because it doesn't even exist to begin uh, with. Yeah, so might as well make it the sorrow. This that's where the Horse Shadow Facts died. Wait, wait, wait no. Um, Shadow Facts. Eight Tracks. Eight Tracks? Eight Tracks? Sure, it was in Betamax. <laughs> wait, yeah. what was his name? 
Artax. Yes, Artax. 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 There you go. We Swamp of Sorrow. Is that what it was? No. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, detective falling down the stairs. So Alex, that's your number two. Then how do they do that? So what they did here is amazing because I think it's tech that um, Hitchcock learned from Vertigo because even they set it up a little bit so it wouldn't look super strange when he's going up the stairs. And what they did was they put a, f- a s- film screen behind him. It's kind of like old school green screen. And they just okay. projected the floor onto the screen. But he was actually walking forward, not up. You see what I'm saying? Can you picture okay. it? Yeah. I so can that when he, So he's doing the same thing, like pretending that he's walking up the stairs when he's just maybe walking in place or, or slowly walking forward. Like and then Batman this, and Robin climbing a building. Yes. <laughs> and then the slash comes down, which is brilliant because the violins, you hear that first. And then you see Mrs. Bass just bolt out of that door and that first slash and it cuts straight to his face and he's already got the cut. And then, yeah. The, the same thing. The screen is behind him, and he's not actually falling. He's just, you know, wobbling backwards. So you get that awesome effect, that very vertigo-inducing, like, oh, he's, it seems like he's falling forever. And then they cut to the stunt guy just taking the fall. And then, oh, Mrs. Bates is just savages him. Yeah. Okay, so he was superimposed. Kind of old-school superimposed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, that makes sense. It's awesome. All right. Uh, so we're on our number ones now. Yeah. All right. Well, my number one. Wait, wait, Scott. Did you do your number two? Oh no, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So my number two is the the score. Okay. Uh, Bernard Herman's uh, score to this. Uh, uh, so we might be saying more about uh, other horror movie soundtracks. Uh, so I didn't include this one on there just because we're talking about it now, but, uh, right. yeah, it, it, this definitely elevates the movie to, to a, a different level. Uh, like you said, Jeff, the, the opening credits, like when she's on the highway, that same music, mm-hmm. the, the screeching violins, uh, and then the and other scenes, a little more subtle too, but, uh, just the, the, the strings only thing that's going on through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And with that ramping up the tension, that music definitely gives you that too. Yeah. All right. Uh, and is this from nineteen sixty? I mean, I haven't seen too many movies <laughs> pre this. Is this one of the first horror movies that really uses music to, you know, later on? I, I don't want to spoil our list, which is, is going to come up soon. But like, like I don't know. When you think of like the old Universal movies, like I can't. Are there iconic soundtracks for like Frankenstein and um, Dracula? I don't know, but I'm sure they had something that was appropriate. Yeah, okay. what's that organ music that they always use for uh, Dracula or something? Oh, yeah, that's it's like uh, staccato and fugue or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's yeah, really cool. Okay, uh, my number one is the shower scene. Um, we've already talked about most of it but just for me it is that the door opening up and just the silhouette and it comes in it but it doesn't like wait it just kind of happens yeah like horror days now horror movies nowadays would kind of amp that up a little bit more just take longer and longer this just kind of happens and then yeah all the edits but then also when she's finally lumped over and the camera like focusing in on her eye and 
pulling oh, out, yeah. spinning while it's pulling out, and just and seeing the aftermath. Oh, it's so good. Brutal. And I think that is her just late. She had to stay there for that shot and try not to blink and yeah, and just was... stare in the same direction. It's like, oh my gosh, that was yeah. tough. And, and that position too, where she's half in the tub, half out, face on the floor. Like, yeah, that mm-hmm. can't be comfortable. Um, it's probably it just... it's probably more comfortable than the super pointy bras she had to wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just to say, like, this is uh, the movie where the protagonist, or you think the protagonist dies a third of the way into the movie like you know you later on you see that in scream when well you think it's drew barrymore if you don't know better like but she dies early on this was like this goes at least long enough for like this she has to be the main character and she's stealing money from her boss and she's gonna go away with her boyfriend and stuff she's killed so what the fuck (laughs) just everything about it so cool uh yeah It's, it's there's no it's no wonder why it's one of the most famous scenes in not only horror movie history, I would just say cinema yeah, history. Yeah, cinema history. Yeah. So that's my number one. Um, Scott. Uh, okay, so we've already pretty much covered this, but uh, Anthony Perkins um, is Norman Bates here. Uh, All time. It, it's, it's tough to even call him like a villain, really, even though that's exactly what he is. Um, just such a unique um, character in the, in the horror genre. Uh, at least originally. I mean, now I'm sure there's been all kinds of clones. Uh, but yeah, he again gives a very, um, like, wide ranging performance here as, as Norman. And, uh, yeah, he really, as Ox said, brings it to life, the character to life. That's my number yeah. one. All right. Alex, number one. My number one is the ending monologue, which is perfect. Uh, he's sitting there. He's got his blanket because he was a little bit too cold. Or I should, I should say she, uh, Mrs. Bates. They're saying, like, oh, yeah, I had to, you know, that, you know, dastardly or the uh, boy was wanted to turn me in, his own mother, you know, <laughs> rationalizing why he was turning on his son. That was just brilliant. And then, yeah, I wouldn't hurt a fly. And the the awesome, the very awesome thing about this scene is that right when it's fading out into them dredging the swamp, uh, Mrs. Bates's face starts fading out, and then you can see the skull of Mrs. Bates. Like, for a split second while he's fading out, that fades in a little bit, but then both of them together then fade out into them pulling the car out of the swamp. Yeah, I saw that too. It's cool. Jeebus, that gave me the creeps. Ugh. Awesome. Hey, okay. Is that it, it made up. It made up for the psychiatrist BS before yeah. that. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that's why I said. I think I just totally because that psychiatrist is so boring. I just in my mind, it's uh, the scene where he wrestles the knife out of his hand, and then it's just to that part you're talking about. The other stuff never happened to me. Like I totally forgot about it because both those scenes were so good, and the one in the middle is like, yeah, yeah. So his, I forgot to bring this up. The mother on that. Uh, I think it's when the sister is investigating the room, and there's the imprint of her body. Yeah, that, that's what my animal mentions. Mattress. Yeah, Ew. like is that just like old school like feather beds? Like, what, how is that possible? <laughs> what is that? I think so. If she's been laying there forever. 
yeah, but she's still, I mean, she's probably weighed 120 pounds like, I, or something, like, right? Like, I don't, less than that. Like, is, I don't know. It just seemed weird to me that there was an <laughs> imprint like that. Like, it was deep, too. It wasn't, like, just in the blankets. It was, like, whatever it was, it creeped me out. And I wondered if that was could happen in today's mattresses or if that was just something from old school mattresses or if it was never even possible. Well, you know how, you know, dads always have that one couch and they has a nice ass groove that they work in for years. <laughs> It's kind of like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, honorable mentions? Let's see. Uh, Transvestite. Yeah. Um, okay. Just <laughs> to talk a little bit about the, the censorship that had gone on in this movie, because it was still the 60s. Uh, mm-hmm. So I already mentioned that this is the first time they could show a toilet, and that had to be for a very special reason. They couldn't just uh, show the... The toilet being flushed. Um, and that kind of ties into like another character beat for Norman when he takes her to the room and he points out the bathroom, but he can't say the word bathroom. Like, that's not censorship, that's just his character. Like, it's too, <laughs> it's too salacious. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. too scandalous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> that's the, uh, you know. Yeah, so that was a nice little touch. But there's that. Um, I guess before she was going to get in the shower. They actually show her kind of starting to unhook her bra. Um, they got edited out for uh, American audiences anyway. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just a couple things about that. Uh, but mostly the toilet. That cracks yeah. me up. <laughs> they could show t- it's like uh, how, how big of a deal um, Blazing Saddles was for the whole fart scene. Yeah. yeah. Like that was very controversial. Now they have that shit in like Disney movies. And uh, speaking of Disney, uh, I was going through the, the trivia, and apparently uh, Hitchcock was banned from filming on any of the Disney properties uh, because, quote, that, uh, well, paraphrasing now, but uh, that that filth that he made, uh, Psycho, <laughs> is, he, was, he was an evil man for making that movie, so Disney wanted nothing to do yeah. with him. Oh yeah, yeah. Disney was squeaky clean. Yeah, yeah. their racist crows and their boners and their castles. Come on, yeah, psycho. <laughs> um, just a couple tri- tri- pieces of trivia. Also, most people know this, but in case you don't, Janet Lee is the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, but I was just waiting for you guys if you guys knew. Okay. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. So the Scream Queen's mother was the original Scream Queen. And um, no one would finance this movie for Hitchcock. So he did it himself uh, for like $800,000. And it's one of the reasons it's kind of cheap compared to like his other movies before this. Like we already did North by Northwest and Vertigo were like millions of dollars. And why there's rumors on why it's black and white because of this point color films are already a thing yeah one rumor is the cover the blood to the hide that the other reason was it was cheaper they they don't they they kind of from what i heard no one knows exactly why but those are the two rumors that it's money and blood hiding yeah it could have been both (laughs) so so um to to add to that uh jeff he he basically pulled a george lucas way before george lucas did the uh the studio thought the movie was gonna be a flop so instead of his usual directing fee, he instead said he would take a percentage of the royalties and 
studios jumped at that thinking, oh yeah, this is a good deal for us. And, uh, he, <laughs> yeah, he wound up making a shitload of money, at least yeah. relatively to, for the time anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you guys spot his cameo? Yes, yes. I did not. Yeah, early on, he's standing outside when the windows. Yeah, when she oh, goes okay. to the office for the first time, the, he's standing outside the window. Oh, okay. And there's another cool thing if you look it up, which I had seen in the past. I had maybe seen that a long time ago with my parents, where he's kind of doing a little, I guess it's to promote the movie. And so he's walking through the set and he's telling the story of the movie, basically, but without giving the hints. Like he goes to the staircase, and this is where the detective had a terrible, he met the end and tumbled down the stairs. And this is where, and he goes. He goes into the the um, the parlor, and there's that the painting with you know with the hole behind it. And he's like, "Oh, that something's wrong with that painting." And he just like walks away. And just it's just <laughs> creepy, but it's cool because it's him, and you know how like, he was the biggest like. Imagine him nowadays with all this shit. Like, I just love old school nerds. I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> he loved movies. It's so cool, um, and him just doing behind the scenes videos like DVD extras before anyone knew what the fuck home video was. Yep, <laughs> love that. All right, um, we're going to get into our list, but before we do that, beer break. And we're back. All right, so for our crossover list, we're doing top five uh, horror movie music. So basically horror movies that have classic, iconic scores, music. Etc. As we've talked about in our list prior, we all loved the music from Psycho, which led us to this list. So, I have a bunch, and I'm... Some of them are obvious ones, but I'm still going to do them, but... I'm going to start with... Fuck. So hard. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to start with Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, just the... I wouldn't necessarily... It's the best music, but the tone that it sets... Just uh, watch, I'll probably like overload, overlap dun, the music dun, when I edit dun, this one. No, that one. Jeff, 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 But just you know what I'm talking about. I don't know. It's just really good. The tone. Oh, was it Dream Weaver? Well, in one of the movies. Are you ready, Weaver? Or actually, they even play that song in that's Dream Warriors, not Dream Weaver. What the hell? Um, so yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street that would be just for setting the tone and the creepiness uh, especially you know the girls walking through the steam pipes and the boiler rooms and all that shit Um, that's my number five Scott okay so uh, my number five is The Shinning oh that should be higher (laughs) good damn it (laughs) sorry but I have it too Right. Well, I'll let you do most of the talking, but uh, nah, that's fine. The the whole uh, pipe organ uh, blasting out—it's uh, yeah, so cool. Uh, it's different. At least feels different now, uh, and ominous. And yep. So the shinning number five. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, Alex, number five. My number five is. The original Night of the Living Dead. Such a great scene, such a great soundtrack. 
because it's very atmospheric. It's it's done with an orchestra, but it's also reminiscent of like the fifties, like alien music and stuff. Whenever they did stuff with the theremin and whatnot, but I don't I can't ex- I don't know if they used one or not for the soundtrack, but it sort of had that like outer space vibe, but in a more like serious fashion. So I like it. I love that movie. All right, I actually I've seen it like dozen times i do not remember the music it's been a while so i'm gonna look it up afterwards mm-hmm. coming to get you barbara yeah. i'm dead when did uh, i can't believe uh never mind <laughs> that, that joke went nowhere <laughs> it did that guy looks like who's ricky gervais's buddy uh steven merchant yeah steven yeah, merchant. That, <laughs> yeah that guy looks like steven merchant he's, he's aged nicely <laughs> All right. Um, fuck. I decide. Mm-hmm. All right. I am going to go with The Omen. That's my number four. Okay. Anytime uh, get an, another one I haven't seen. Uh, classic, like, biblical Latin chanting choir shit. And, omnibus. Cheesy oh. <laughs> Omnibus. Omnibus. Uh, that's gonna that'll creep you out. You don't have to do anything. Just play that music, and yeah, I'm scared. So that is my number four, The Omen. Since Alex hasn't seen it, I'm adding it to our list, shit. and I'll do it next Halloween. <laughs> There's a guy at work named Damien. I don't need this shit over my head. He did it all for you, Alex. Oh man. All right, Scott, number four. All right, number four is the thing. Uh. So, good one. Mostly but not on my list. Just the the opening, just that kind of slow drum beat. Uh, it's super ominous, and then you know it builds into the the complex, and uh, that's basically all you need to know. Yep. Uh, just just this. Uh, I'm not. The, I don't know if this one was made by John Carpenter or not. Uh, I should look that up. Uh, but yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah, it was. No, well, the John Carpenter's music. the thing. Oh, the music. I see. Oh, yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> he does, he does the a lot of his own sound scoring soundtrack. Whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, I Big don't think trouble. he does on that movie. Okay. In the China. But I'm not sure. Got big right. trouble. <laughs> Alex, number four. My number four, and I'm cheating a little bit because this movie is not a horror movie at all, but this segment kind of is, and it freaked me out as a kid, like, a lot. And I'm going to say Night on Bald Mountain from Fantasia. Okay. That's yeah. definitely a horror segment. I'd give Yeah, that. I know. Whoa. Like, I was not prepared for that at all the first time I saw it. It, it really messed me up. How did your boys react when you made them watch it? Um, they kind of covered their eyes and left the room. <laughs> they were scared. Like, oh, this is too scary, so I fast-forwarded. And then it was dancing hippopotami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, so the music for the thing is, uh, Maricon. Ooh, that makes sense. Ooh, Mari- uh, Maricon? Yeah, Inyo Maricone. Um... Yeah, have we talked about this before with Fantasia? Like, has anyone watched the entire thing and just not gone to that uh, to that portion and then the Mickey portion? It's nope. to, yeah, the night. Of, I watched the whole thing. Yeah, Night of Bald Mountain, and then uh, 
Sorcerer's Apprentice, yeah. Yeah, the, those are the only two worth watching. The rest is crap. What? No way! Yeah, sorry. No, oh, the mushrooms dancing and everything, that's awesome. Then the alligators <laughs> and the hippos? God. Plus the ancient, the all the uh, the Pegasus and the satyrs dancing around. That was awesome. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, the Pegasi. <laughs> Black Pegasus. Yeah, it worked in Blazing Saddles, didn't it? <laughs> all right. Uh, my number three. <sighs> I can't believe I'm putting it this low, but because it's it's a horror movie, I don't care what anyone says, but it's more than that. I'm gonna go with Jaws. Oh, it um, should be higher. It should be, but because it's not pure <laughs> horror, I'm not making it. I'm, that's why I'm not putting it as high. Oh. But, um, obviously, come on, doing it, doing it, doing it, just the whole. It's John Williams. It's everything. That movie is nothing without that. Maybe I should make this number two, but I'm not. All right. Anyway, it's the movie is nothing without it. No, I shouldn't say that, but it definitely makes it scarier, and that's the good thing of a horror movie uh, score. And since it sounds like you guys might have it a little higher, I will stop talking. Scott, number three. Number three is The Exorcist. Ah, me too. Alex is should be higher. Alex's favorite movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I watch it every week. And then I go to church. <laughs> you actually watch it <laughs> with a set of no. binoculars from your church. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's the only way to stay safe. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> Also, I'll see so one hand on binoculars and one hand just doing Hail Marys all the time. Mm-hmm. Hail Mary, full of grace. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, the first kind of real electronic one on my on my list. But uh, um, it, it actually sounds a lot like well, it doesn't sound a lot like, but it does have uh, it, it's somewhat similar in a way to my number two coming up here. But uh, yeah, Exorcist. Uh, the the mu- I mean, you just hear the music and you know, uh, it's the the sign of a good score. And when you actually watch the movie, uh, it definitely fits. Ooh. Tubular yeah. bells. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. All right. Uh, Alex, yeah. number three. Uh, also, The Exorcist. And right. the less we talk about this movie, the better. El Diablo. <laughs> Dios mio. Hey, when. Remember that scene when uh, her head spins around? Hey, uh, yeah. Alex, have you even seen it? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I don't believe you. She spews out, and then he looks into her and says, Get out of that girl, come into me! And then he jumps out the window and kills himself. Yeah, I know. You Spoiler alert. Yeah, you I've just heard. You read it on Reddit. I've seen it. All right. I can't unsee it, Jeff. All right, my number two is The Exorcist. Uh, that music is frightening. Uh, I may want to switch with Jaws because I think this movie would be frightening without the music. Still, it, yeah. it definitely adds to it. Um, but regardless, it's still just it's pure horror. I mean, it doesn't get more ho- much <laughs> doesn't get much horror than uh, Exorcist. So that's why they have it a little higher. Um, <laughs> just a little higher. <laughs> just one. Uh, Fun fact, Ad, we had a cabin trip years ago, and I, my playlist, and my playlist was mostly just regular rock, but I had some Halloween songs on it, because it was basically a Halloween playlist, and <laughs> Eric woke up, because we all fell asleep, 
And Eric woke up to the Tubular Bell song playing. <laughs> and he freaked out. He started yelling, God damn it, Jeff, turn this shit off. <laughs> you should have been like, but I didn't put it on there. And it was like the fire. We got a fireplace. And it was like all like dimming. It was it was pretty creepy. So yeah. Anyway, Tubular Bells, Exorcist is my number two. Scott. Okay. I know what it's going to be. Yeah, I kind of hinted at it. But number two is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 What is this? What is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one was done by this one was done by John Carpenter. Yeah. So yeah, what what can we say? Just as iconic as it, like everything else on my list, pretty much. But uh, uh, I don't know. Just a little bit more. The, the music for this one gets a little more time to breathe. I guess I don't know. When you're watching the movie, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's really. <laughs> rationalize my having it number two and higher than other things but there we go Halloween nice alright mm-hmm. Alex number two my number two is the Shinnin such a great score oh it should be higher <laughs> but it should it's number two can't get higher than that I like how Scott like summoned <laughs> Jeremy right there oh it should be higher oh it should be higher but yeah Fantastic. Hi, Jeremy, if you're listening. Very, <laughs> very slow, drone, bombastic. Just to, to, uh, it, what should I call it? It, uh, it's a metaphor for what, like, all the boring droning stuff that's going on, but there's always, but there's also something off. Like, Jack is always bored and everything and the thing. And so, uh, the soundtrack is a little bit boring also because it's just the same note over and over again and i don't know how to explain it i am getting buzzed <laughs> it's yeah, game, it's game, i thought about getting it, ready for thursday huh list. <laughs> oh yeah so shining's good did not make my list but it's definitely creepy i just watched this the other day oh so good darling light of my life <laughs> give me the bed Marge. <laughs> give me the bed <laughs> i'm not gonna hurt you Bash your... All right. Um, my number one is Halloween. To me, it's—I mean, my top three are all right there, but this just puts it over. This is a true horror movie. It's this the song is just awesome. Uh, once again, I was at the Halloween haunt the other day, and we were standing in line. We got there. They let us in like 15 minutes before the the, the maze is actually open, so we're just standing in line. And believe it or not, the queue is in the Water World. Um, stunt show area. First of all, why the fuck is a Waterworld stunt show still around? That wasn't even a hit when it came out in 1992. Well, they spent too much money on it, so they had to recoup their losses somehow. Jesus Christ. Like, how is that thing still around? Does anyone under the age of 30 know what Waterworld is, or why the hell is it still around? When we went to Universal Studios uh, earlier this year, I was like, we should go see Waterworld. No, we're going to go to Hogwarts instead. It's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that makes way more sense. I don't know. I think you're missing out. Hogwarts. But anyway, just sitting in line, like, I mean, it, it wasn't themed out there. It was just, it was the set for Waterworld, but they were just kept playing the, the Halloween soundtrack. And it was just, it was 
getting me psyched and spooked at the same time. That's so good. Just so simple. Same thing with the Jaws run. It's just simple. I mean, I heard it's simple. I don't really know how to play the music. <laughs> but here, it's very simple to do. But just it's effective. And oh, I love it. So that's my number one. Scott. Okay. So number one is uh, something that Jeff doesn't even think is a horror movie, apparently. Well, uh, people categorize it differently. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's John Williams. It's it's Spielberg. It's a, <laughs> as Spielberg called it, the great white turd. <laughs> but uh, Jaws. Yeah. So simple, too. Even more simple than some of these other ones, at least the, the way it starts out with the dun dun. It's like yeah, it's two notes. Two notes, yeah. Any, any asshole can play on the piano. I know this because I've done it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yep, Jaws. In a way, in a lot of ways, until you get to like toward the end of the movie, the the villain is pretty much the music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and the way they use it too, just to set up the shark is coming, and then. If it's not there, you think you're kind of safe, but then they still trick you later on. Yeah, it's so good. All right, Alex, number one. My number one is also Jaws. Because this sound personifies the villain as good as Psycho does with the violins. Because the violins simulate, like, they're just sharp stabbing motions, just like Mrs. Bates did. And with Jaws, it's kind of the same thing, where it's slowly, like, it starts off slow, and that's like the shark, like, slowly accelerating and stalking its prey. It's amazing. It doesn't personify, you can't personify a villain better than Jaws and Psycho, and through music. I think Halloween. I know it doesn't personify the villain. I don't yeah, know, maybe you're right. the mood. Yeah, you're right. I'll, it I'll definitely creepifies the mood. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you yeah, that. that's why I put it at number one. Okay, great. I had a few, I, mean, I think we had the same top three, didn't we? Just different order, or no? Anyway, if we were to drop Psycho into our list, where would you guys have it? Ah, oh, number one. Really, number one? It'd be yeah. hard. It'd be. Mm, I would have it number. One. It'd be hard not to have it at one. Between that and Jaws, yeah, it'd be tough. I think I would have it. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It would, it would break the top three. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's good. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Oh, wait, I have a couple honorable mentions. I had Rosemary's Baby and uh, Signs, which I heard was. I don't know if you. I just watched this the other day too. The intro is very much based off of Psycho. Just the. I don't know if you remember the theme to Signs last time you saw it, but and the logo. And then Deliverance with the banjos. Yeah. All right. Any others from you guys or no? Um, nope. All right. It's time for Alex No Sports. No, did we rate Psycho? Oh, shit. We didn't rate Psycho. Yeah, All right. I don't remember. We didn't. All right. Let's rate it uh, as usual. We <laughs> Apparently as usual. Yeah, <laughs> we, we rate it on a scale of one to seven. One being absolute garbage, seven being perfection. Um, oh, this is hard. 
I'm going to have to give it a six only. It's not a seven for me just because it does suffer a little bit from being older and I'd rather watch other some other movies in front of this. It's very hard, but for me, it's six, not a seven. Uh, Scott. Yeah, so um, just to, to qualify our one through seven here a little bit more, because <laughs> I feel like it, it's warranted in this case. Uh, I was making excuses. Yes, I, yes, yes, excuses. yes I am. Right. It's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, that the, the the larger part of these ratings is how much do you want to watch this again, like right now? Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, under that guys, I got to go with Jeff and give it a six. I don't know that I want to watch this constantly. Um, you know, as as a as a horror movie though, it's in the conversation for the, the greatest horror movie of all time. So even even I, I don't have the hang up that Jeff does about it. You know. Being before 1980, but I wouldn't call it a hang-up, <laughs> and I didn't say that. I mean, Star Wars is 77, and Jaws is 75. Oh, pre-Star Wars, sorry. Anything that came out before Star Wars. Uh, I just said Jaws was 75, and you probably would give that a seven too, just because of the the old timey stuff. Oh uh, no, Jaws is like my favorite movie of all time, so Jaws would definitely. All right, uh, but yes, uh, under the guise of watching it. Uh, Constantly, yeah, it's something to give it a six. All right, Alex. Oh, you guys are both wrong because this is a seven. Despite that boring scene in the end, the the previous scene and the last monologue is so good that it eclipses that altogether and like nullifies it. So this is a number seven for me because I am going to watch this regularly from now on. It's such a good movie. It's creepy. I mean, I don't want to watch it right now. <laughs> or even maybe like next month I'll probably watch it again. But this is going to be part of my regular rotation now. It's so good. It's is really fucking good. That's all I can uh, say about it. Yeah, I don't think any of us are arguing with that. <laughs> all right. Um now it's time for Alex knows sports. I'm Alex and I like sports. Sports ball? So you guys like sports? Sure. Occasionally. Do you guys like justice? It depends. Mm. Is it a league? <laughs> no, it's not a Justice League. We're safe. Oh. Okay. But between the Boston uh, Bostonians and the Astros, they're playing one of the games, you know, for the baseball. Okay. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Jose Altuve is trying <laughs> to hit a home run. <laughs> I'm going to call bullshit on you here, Alex, real quick. <laughs> what you you would know how that was pronounced? Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. Yeah, well played. The ball is headed out to the outfield. It's almost a home run, and Mookie Betts goes up to catch it, but oh, he gets uh, interfered with by the fans. Dikembe Mutombo's ah, ah not yeah. in my house. And so because the Astros fans, I guess, were trying to get the ball or help or both or whatever, he was ruled out. So the home run didn't count, and the Astros lost. In your face, Texas. You, you did this wrong again, Alex. Oh, what? Well, For, for the AL2 that was hitting the home run? No, no. You got that part right. Except, oh, okay. except for the fans were just dumb. I don't think they were trying to help or hinder they saw a okay. ball coming their way. They wanted to catch it. Um, either way, justice. The well, justice would have been if, this, if it had been the other way around. 
because Boston. Or it was in the nineties <laughs> oh, and it was yeah. it was uh David Justice hitting the ball. Ooh. And then it landed on Jose Canseco's head and bounced out. Got it, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw the play. I only saw it once. It, I mean, it was definitely less interference than the Jeffrey Mayer thing way back in the day, but uh, I don't know. Whatever. I hate both those teams, so. <laughs> Bafongu. <you> <laughs> Bafongu on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Time for Neum News. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah. Okay, uh, keeping this short. Uh, so there was a trailer that came out uh, for the kid who would be king. Is the name of it? So this is another oh, take. I haven't seen that trailer yet. It's another take on uh, King Arthur, but the modern spin to it. And uh, trailer actually looks pretty good. I mean, it's definitely geared more towards a younger audience. However, it is directed by Joe Cornish. Who did uh, Attack the Block? And if uh, nobody's seen that, uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was a fun little movie. It had uh, it starred John Boy, Ega, hey. and uh, the newest Doctor Who. Uh, she's in it as well. Uh, but yes, Attack the Block was a, a nice little horror movie or uh, horror action. They kind of bent some genres there. Uh, so trailer for that, that looks pretty good. It was something a little different anyway. Mm. Um, and other than that, the only other thing I really want to talk about was, uh, a game that came out on the Switch. Um, I'd probably mentioned this already, but it's, I, I feel like I need to mention it again. Uh, Undertale. Not Undertale. Oh, it should be. Uh, is that out? I thought it was. Yeah, okay. I've seen some. All right, well, then that's worth mentioning too, that the, that Undertale's out on the Switch. <laughs> That's on my list of things to play. Uh, but no, just worth mentioning again that Towerfall. Undertale. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish. Uh, yeah, a game called Towerfall, which initially was out on the, the Oya, the Wea, I don't know how to pronounce it. The, oh, yeah. The Steam Box thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, made its way to the PS4 back in 2013, 2014. And uh, was released recently for the Switch, uh, where the main part of the game was uh, four-player versus mode. Um, on the Switch, they've added two more, so you can do six players. And it's 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 madness, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's basically pixel art and basically shooting arrows at other people. Uh, reminiscent of uh, the maps are reminiscent of Bubble Bobble, if anybody remembers that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and yeah, the, the action is uh, frantic. The controls are very tight. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, and yeah, Undertale as well, as Alex points out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's all I wanted to talk about. Uh, Alex, anything you wanted to mention? Nope. nope. Okay. Nah, I'm good. Jeff, anything you wanted to talk about? Um, I haven't seen anything new lately, but I've just been going through my... Uh, horror classic. So I watched The Shining. I've watched uh, Halloween. I've watched Signs. I've watched The Conjuring. I watched Psycho and Phantasm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. One more in there. So I'm having fun catching up. Which on one's all better, that. Psycho or uh, Phantasm? Psycho slightly better. Um, oh, okay. They both start with a P. 
I do. Me too. <laughs> um, and as far as news, there's I, last week I talked about uh, the Star Wars TV show. Rumor has it is that the guy from Narcos and Game of Thrones might be the lead character. Um, oh, what's his face? The guy gets his head popped. By oh, uh, yeah. I don't know the guy's real name, but uh, yeah. is that is that the guy that was in uh, Kingsman Part Dose? Did not see it, so can't. Mark Strong? It's not Mark Strong. Although that would be amazing. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of cool because I I like him as an actor. He he nailed it on Game of Thrones and he's really good in Narcos if you haven't been watching that. Um, So that's that news. And um, speaking of Game of Thrones slash... Well, I don't know. Uh, They canceled Iron Fist. Yay. (laughs) But I'm the mortal Iron Fist. And Daredevil season three comes out like next week, Woo! I believe. So I haven't watched the last couple. I haven't seen Iron Fist or Luke Cage, and maybe there's other ones I haven't seen. But I will watch Daredevil. Yeah, I, got, I really enjoy it. That's my favorite of the series so far. So I will be watching that. Yeah, I want. I want to try to finish up Luke Cage. <laughs> Iron Fist might be the first one that I actually quit on. Uh, now, definitely watching Daredevil. I, I'm curious if they're going to shoot for another Defenders thing. Especially now that, that Iron Fist has gone the the way well, of, well I, Iron Fist. I did hear that while they canceled the show, they're not necessarily canceling the character. So right, I've, yeah. He's I've heard he already has cameos in Luke Cage and stuff, so maybe, yeah, he'll just show up in Defenders and maybe Daredevil or something. I don't know. but um, Which seems fine. I, I, I mean... I don't know. It'd be fucking cool if if they somehow tied in Infinity War into Defenders. They won't. They won't. That would be cool. <laughs> Some people do. And I guess I don't know if this has been confirmed or not, but what's his face? Uh the director from the Guardians movies that got fired for oh, yeah, James Gunn. Oh, yeah, he's he's doing the um Well, I'll let you say it. Yeah, he's doing the Well, yeah. What is it? I forget now. <laughs> uh, the Sinister Six. No. Is it Suicide Six. Squad? <laughs> Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Bad guys. Bad guy group. Uh, so that's good. I mean, I, I guess it's good. I don't know. That first movie was dog shit, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, speak, speaking of dog shit in the DCU, uh-huh. um, actually uh-huh. some positive news on that front, potentially. Uh, there's rumors that uh, Gareth Evans... The guy that directed the Raid Redemption um, oh, yeah. is going to do. Uh, well, <laughs> it might have it might have been uh, Suicide Squad, but uh, maybe a a uh, Deathstroke movie. Oh, okay. Seriously, DC, get a goddamn good Batman and Superman movie first. For fuck's sake! Nah, they need some time. Oh fuck! They need some time to recover. Or or Green Lantern or any other like you have one woman and you're I'm sure you're gonna fuck that next one up too but you have one woman now one woman and that's it uh, I don't but yeah know. if they did a good Green Lantern movie I'd be on board with that yeah and we'll see how walk Aquaman I'm cautiously <laughs> pessimistic <laughs> <laughs> well said <laughs> it's James Wan so I love the director but it's still DC so I don't know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. The suits. Um, did you say James Wan? Yeah. Nice. Um, all right. And with that, I think we're done. 
I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I don't. This will. We have one more episode before Halloween. But if not, happy Halloween, everybody. Have yeah. fun. Stay safe. Check your candy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, give out candy too. Don't be one of them families. Turn your damn porch lights on and hand out candy. Don't be like me. Could, yeah, the yeah. good stuff. Don't just hand out candy corn. Yeah, don't hand out candy corn, you psychos. And then, yeah, don't do those weird toffee taffies that are wrapped in, like, generic orange wax. Come on. <laughs> Salt and water d- taffy. And don't hand out penny wrapped pennies and toothpaste and stuff. Come on. It's gross. <laughs> All right. Happy Halloween, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We at Hans Shop First would like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Hans Shop First. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated and help us get more exposure. Once again, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast.